up, everyone? Thank you for tuning into Tethered, a podcast dedicated to helping followers of Jesus stay connected to Him day by day. My prayer for this episode is that it would encourage you, challenge you, and propel you to abide more deeply in Jesus. I hope you're encouraged by this episode. Let's jump right on in. What's up, everyone? Once again, this is your host, Joey Morales. I really appreciate you listening to episodes here on Tethered. If you've been impacted in any way by these episodes, please subscribe to the podcast to keep up to date on when episodes drop, and please share with your friends and family on social media however you share things. I would really appreciate it. For this episode, I'm going to have an interview with someone about the importance of expository preaching. For those who don't know what expository preaching is, I am happy to explain. To define it simply, expository preaching involves the exposition or comprehensive explanation of the Bible. That is, expository preaching presents the meaning and intent of a biblical text, providing commentary and examples to make the passage clear and understandable. The word exposition is related to the word expose. The expository preacher's goal is to simply expose the meaning of the Bible verse by verse. I obtained this definition from GodQuestions.org. Shout out to them. If you ever need to find answers about any topic in the Bible, I highly recommend GodQuestions.org. I invited my friend and mentor, Bert Suluvale, to have a conversation with me about this topic. Bert's been happily married to Lee who's originally from Kansas City, Missouri, since 2015. They met in Southern California at the church he was pastoring on staff when Lee moved there for grad school. He attended the Master's College and Seminary, founded by well-known pastor John MacArthur, and was very involved in student life. He is of Samoan descent. He believes that, quote, Jesus is saving me always, at all times, and at every moment, because sin is my fallen condition, not merely because of sinful behavior, end quote. His favorite books from the Bible are Exodus and Philippians. I am excited to have Bert on this episode to chat about expository preaching and how it helps you stay tethered to Jesus. Without further ado, here's the conversation I had with Bert. Bert, thank you so much for taking time to interview. Um, really appreciate you coming out and talking about expository preaching. So, yeah, just tell me what you do for a living and some three fun facts about you. Yeah, bro, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Um, I uh, what I do for a living. Okay, well, um, what I do for a paycheck <laughs> is I work at Chick Fil A, which is where you and I met. And um, I'm the leader of hospitality in our store and care, which is really cool. It's kind of like a pastoral role. Um, And, yeah, I love it there. I love the environment. love culture. Um, What was the second part of your question? And then just some three fun facts about you. So, like, what makes you who you are? Oh, man. Um, My dad was... A really, really accomplished um, sacred music composer. 
in the South Pacific. And so I love music. Um, and another fun fact is my mom is my hero. She's the most diligent, strong um, person that I know. And she loves Jesus. And then a third fun fact, I don't know. Um, my wife and I moved to Kansas City from Los Angeles a year ago. And so, you know, driving in the snow and enjoying <laughs> the fall are all things that are new to me. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I think you were probably looking for funner things than that. But I'm out of fourth. I'm a Rams fan. So... There, oh. I said it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate your honesty in that. Because <laughs> I remember mentioning on my last episode that I'm not a fan of the Rams. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, so we got a little contention there, but that's funny. But All in the Lord, brother. Yep, amen to that. <laughs> go Chiefs. And go Rams for you. But yeah, again, really grateful for you to be on this podcast. Um, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you can be doing other things right now, but really grateful for you to be on. So, oh, no, man. Just dishes. Just dishes. <laughs> <laughs> and so I figured I want to speak on this before. You know, we talked to Bert about this topic. So some of you guys are wondering, like, what is expository preaching or you could be thinking, there's different types of preaching? Well, definitely. And so I just want to take some time to just explain what the styles of preaching that are known to us. And so the first one I want to talk about, obviously, is expository preaching. And that is just essentially a comprehensive explanation of the Bible. It's usually verse by verse, teaching through the whole Bible, um, Bible books over time. And an example of this is um, for some of you who attend the young adults ministry called Paradigm um, that's uh, in Kansas City. Chad, our pastor, taught through the book of Galatians verse by verse earlier in 2022. And his goal was to teach her to that, through that entire book over a period of time. So that is essentially expository preaching. The next one I want to talk about is what's called textual. And this method is preaching through a section of the Bible or a section of the book of the Bible. It's similar to the expositional method, except entire books are not generally covered. So an example of this is my old church did a mini-series on the book of Genesis. They only covered material over the summer. So that could be that's textual. And then the last one I want to speak about is topical. And so this one is instead of sticking to a certain book or section in the Bible, it remains true to a topic or a subject within the Bible. In other words, preaching is done by using several texts throughout the Bible on that topic. So like an example of this is some churches will do series on dating, marriage, etc. to use certain scriptures to explain the biblical framework for these subjects, usually in, without involving deep contextual analysis. And it could be dangerous. Yeah, it could be dangerous, you're right. <laughs> and so, but I it's important to share about the different styles for, you know, just for you to understand that. Um, but today we're going to focus on speaking about the expository method of preaching. And so I want I plan to speak more in depth about the the other preaching styles in future episodes of this podcast. And so like I've already shared there was a a brief definition in the beginning of the episode, um, as you heard that introduction. Um, but I'm just going to reemphasize what expository preaching, again, is. 
That is, according to GodQuestions.org, the exposition or comprehensive explanation of the Bible, that is, expository preaching presents the meaning or intent of a biblical text, providing commentary or examples to make the passage clear and understandable. The word exposition is related to the word expose. The expository preacher's goal is to simply to expose the meaning of the Bible verse by verse. And so, Bert, is there anything that you wanted to add to that definition of expository preaching? Um, sure. I, I got I have three quotes I really love from, from some men, and I got this off of the MacArthur Center um, for Expository Preaching um, website. Um, John Calvin wrote, Preaching is a public exposition of Scripture by the man sent from God, in which God himself is present in judgment and grace. Um, J.I. Packer wrote, A sermon is the proclamation of the word of God only if the text of the word is accurately expounded and preached. Right? So, like, we know that the devil quoted scripture Mm -hmm. when he was tempting Jesus. Yeah. So, quoting scripture just doesn't mean that God is speaking. Yeah. It has to be quoted in a way that he meant it to be understood. Yeah. Um, And then um, the third quote from the MacArthur Center for Expository Preaching is from David Helm. He says, Expositional preaching is empowered preaching that rightfully submits the shape and emphasis of the sermon to the shape and emphasis of the biblical text. Um, And you guys heard me remark that topical can be dangerous. I'm not saying it is, but it can be dangerous when people just um, take a topic and get bunches of verses of the Bible to prove their topic, mm-hmm. right? Instead of actually using the Bible in the in the way that it was intended to be understood. So yeah, I, I think expository preaching, it's important to let the Bible explain the Bible. Yeah. Or let the Bible uncover itself, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you do that by giving that healthy dose of the Bible to the people. Yeah. Right? Amen. Thanks for sharing that. So you mentioned that the Bible should explain itself. <laughs> and I and it is important for the Bible to explain itself because people need to understand a passage on how God intended it to mean. And so why is teaching the Bible verse by verse important, especially on the Lord's Day? That means Sunday morning gatherings for those who don't know what maybe that that, that word is. So why is it important for pastors to teach verse by verse? Oh, um, yeah, like I said, I think, number one, there's that healthy dose of looking at the text and understanding the whole context and, and like what's going on in the narrative that was intended by the author for us to understand, right? And so I, I think it's important because there are a few things I think at play here. Is number one, verse by verse, um, doesn't allow us to gloss or skip over things that God wants us to hear. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like um, if we're going verse by verse, we're showing a high view of Scripture. If we believe that all Scripture is inspired by God breathed out by God and is profitable for um, teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness that the man of God or the woman of God 
um, may be fully furnished for every good work. If we believe that all scripture does that and has the power to do that, then we should preach all of it. Yeah. Verse by verse. Mm-hmm. And um, I think when we're withholding some things that are hard, when we're shir- sh- shirking topics that are addressed in the Bible as though the Bible doesn't speak into those topics. It's almost like coddling a child or like, for instance, I was talking yesterday to a friend of mine about how I think um, like young boys are losing sight of what it looks like to be raised by men Mm -hmm. when they're raised by single moms, not single mom's fault. But I think it's because young boys need a, a father figure in their lives, right? Mm-hmm. Who will raise them differently, right? Mm-hmm. So when you have both, that's that's the healthy and the proper way, the design of God to um, have children raised by both parents. Mm-hmm. So you have the nurture and the disciplinarian, right? Yeah. So I believe the word of God is there to nurture us, to build mm-hmm. us up. Amen. But it's also to put guardrails and give us... Um, God's boundaries yeah. for certain things in life. And sometimes when we do not preach verse by verse, we get away from those boundaries. We get away from those commands and those strict lines within which God desires for his people to walk. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think um, it's important to, to preach verse by verse because then we know that like sexual immorality is not something that we should partake in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Rather than like, we're just talking about all the beautiful things about the word of God, but not all the things that are holy, Hmm. you know? So, yeah, that's, yeah, that's good. Yeah. I like how you said like the Bible is for like, it's like a guardrail. It's meant to protect you from falling off the cliff or falling off the edge. Right. Absolutely. Most of the time we think that God keeps us, God is all these laws are so that God prevents us from having all this good stuff that the world has to offer. But that, you know, that's just a faulty understanding of the boundaries that God Mm -hmm. lays. You know, the boundaries God uh, lays out in his word are for number one, our protection. They're also for our prosperity Mm -hmm. and they're also for our progeny. For the generations after us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Our protection, our prosperity, and I don't mean material prosperity. You know that. Mm-hmm. For our protection, our prosperity, and our progeny. Like the yeah. generations. Because Jesus, even though he didn't um, have a family or children, there are generations that he, um, that he impacted mm-hmm. by his life. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah, you mentioned the guardrail thing because something that I thought of is he quoted 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17. And one of the things that Paul shares with Timothy is that the scripture is used for correction. And mm-hmm. I actually spoke on this in my episode, Stay Tethered. Um, but... I didn't really like get a chance to really get dig deep into it, but there's this Greek word. Um, it's called epanophorsis. Um, it's only used in this particular verse in the New Testament, and that essentially means is to set a person or thing straight, revisal, improvement, amendment, or the like. 
And so God's word essentially is meant to set his people straight when they go the wrong way. And so think of the Bible like a road sign. Like, hey, there's this dangerous cliff or edge that you want to be careful about driving through because if you're not careful, you could fall off the edge. I remember driving through Washington and there was these certain parts that I drove in um, in Mount Rainier where they didn't have guardrails. Right. And so if I wasn't paying attention. Those make me leery. Yeah. I'm like, like if I'm not paying attention to the road, I could fall off right. easily and right. you know die. Right. And so the Bible is like that. It's meant to protect us from running off the road. Yeah, that's safety net. You know, because I mean, um, so there are two things that analysis of the road, right? Mm-hmm. There are two things that you could watch, right? You could watch the divider line, and you could watch the guardrail, right? Mm-hmm. But the divider line, if you're not following the divider line, then you're going to drift into the guardrail, right? Yeah. And the guardrail is is, is actually there to catch you. Mm-hmm. Um, so so some people, some some of us, I mean, our, our, our understanding of it is a guardrail or a boundary, you know, um, that keeps us from what's good rather than a guardrail and a boundary that keeps us from what's bad. Yeah. You know, I love something that David says in Psalm 16, you know, he says, um, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Mm -hmm. Right. So this is him looking back at his life. He goes, man, every boundary God set for me was beautiful. You know what I mean? And he understands that as a man who basically crossed some of those boundaries. You know what I mean? Yeah. But in reflection of his life, he understood, man, every yeah. every boundary that was set, every line that was set by God to keep me in was beautiful. Yeah. 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 Amen. Definitely. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. This is why it's important for, you know, a pastor in your local church to be preaching verse by verse because it always points you back to what the scripture says for your benefit and for your good because God had knitted you to bring him glory and honor and how you can bring him honor and glory is by you know obeying what he says in his word because it's what's best for you and so thank you for sharing that um so something i also wanted to talk about was this uh, concept of hermeneutics. And so for those who don't know what hermeneutics is, it's this big word that we don't use in society a whole lot, but essentially it's an art form. It's the art of interpretation or the method of interpretation. And so maybe define for us hermeneutics maybe in a more easier to understand (laughs) way. And then also I want to talk about Christ-centered hermeneutics. And so... Maybe for my listeners, maybe talk about that. Yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> um, hermeneutics is yeah an art form or a science, right? Some people say it's a science of interpreting something written according to the author's intended meaning at the time it was written, and the living document and the living meaning are what you're after. So, um. There are certain um, rules of that science, right, that are to be followed. You can't just take a passage and give it your own understanding, right? Give mm-hmm. it your own uh, meaning or give it your own um, interpretation 
which is why it's important to learn things like, um, I would say, languages and um, um, culture, right, and history. Because this book that we hold in our hands, Those Who Preach, is a book that is full of language, <laughs> three languages to be exact, right? Yeah. Three original languages to be exact. Um, it has um, um, history. It's history, too, right? So those are things that are important, I think, to understanding what the author meant when he said it and what the people understood when they heard it. You know, and I'm not saying a person can't be effective as a preacher if they don't know languages, but it's important to actually look into some of. Yeah. Even if you didn't take any courses in Greek, Hebrew, or Aramaic, I think you can learn some of it by looking up meanings of words, you know, and letting um, ourselves stand on the shoulders of others. Yeah. So what about the average listener that may be listening to this? Like, because you mentioned that, you know, for a preacher, for a pastor, it would be a good idea to at least have some knowledge of the original languages that the Bible was written or the culture that surrounded. So what about the average listener listening to this? Like, so you're saying I may I have to learn these languages in order? No, you don't have to. You don't have to. But um so, so there's, there are a lot of language helps that you could actually purchase books to help you understand original languages a little bit better. Um, a concordance um, is, is good, right? A Greek, Hebrew dictionary of biblical words. Um, but, I, but I also think it's important to pick and choose the versions that you read um, are important, right? So there are different versions of the Bible. Um, there's like dynamic equivalent interpretations and literal interpretations. And um, a lot of people, you know, have different ideas about the importance of those, but I, I think it's important to to account for the words that are written in the original languages, mm-hmm. which is what I think literal interpretations do. They account for the words. Mm-hmm. Um, dynamic equivalent, um, and I'm not putting down any any versions. I'm just saying, like, there's an intent behind a dynamic equivalent, such as NIV, mm-hmm. to understand paragraphs yeah. or phrases. Mm-hmm. But they're not accounting for words. So uh, the ESV, the LSB, um, the what's the one you read? Now, like the current one that you've been using? I usually use ESP, but sometimes I'll, you know, read the CSB, which is right, the French Standard Bible. Yeah, and then also the NASB, New American Standard uh, Bible, which was probably like the the 40-year-ago version of ESV, you know? Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> um, but then also, um, which is a, an interpretation I've never used, the, re- the, the Revised Standard Version, RSV, which a few friends of mine that are scholars use that still consistently. Those, those versions are trying to account for every word in the original language, mm-hmm. right? 
Um, so that's where their interpretations of those texts come or translations of those texts come from. And I think it's important for us to know that this is literally what was said. Yeah. You know, because you got to start with what was literally said mm-hmm. before you try to explain it. You know? Yeah. So it doesn't mean like essentially like if you use like a New Living Translation or NIV is not bad to read. But like Bert was saying, those capture more of what's called the fought for fought like what's going on in the you know in the context of what you know they could be saying but these other versions that bird is referring to is what you know the original language intended for to mean and so maybe for some listeners who may be listening um that say like well i use a new living translation or nib so you're saying i shouldn't use those translations no i'm not saying that I'm just saying that if you understood that, like, for instance, if you heard someone else read from another version and you were trying to figure out why your version doesn't sound like that version, right? Mm -hmm. It's primarily because um, one version is interpreting phrases Mm -hmm. and the other version is interpreting words, Mm -hmm. right? That makes sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so I want to talk about the importance of Christ-centered hermeneutics. Yeah. And so maybe touch on that. Yeah, so Christ-centered hermeneutic is when um, one, of the, one of the people that uh, really influenced me in his writings was this preacher named Brian Chappell, um, or Chappell, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm thinking of Dave Chappelle, the comedian. Mm-hmm. I hope you guys don't listen to him. <laughs> <laughs> but Brian Chappell, um, he wrote a book a few years ago called Christ on Every Page. Mm-hmm. Um, and after reading that, I began to understand now because I think uh, the Christ hermeneutic makes people that um, use a, a little historical um, hermeneutic think that that's not what they're after, right? But the Christ hermeneutic is just saying that every passage, not every verse, not every chapter of the Bible, um, is teaching about Christ, but everything is pointing to Christ, mm-hmm. right? Not every passage teaches about Christ, but everything, everything, even the even the book of Esther, it doesn't mention the name of God. Everything is pointing towards Christ, right? Um, so Esther, in a way, was a mediator, right, mm-hmm. for her people. So, like, the book of Esther was pointing towards Christ. The Christ hermeneutic means that uh, wherever we start in the text, and this is something Spurgeon says, is, is wherever we start in the text, we must end with Christ in our mm-hmm. preaching. Yeah. Right? If our if our preaching doesn't end with Christ, let's say, and all I preach this this past message was about the law, mm-hmm. then I then I've done a disservice to the people. Yeah. Because they're listening and waiting for the fulfillment of that because the fulfillment of that law is not found in any of us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So if I preach the law on a Sunday morning, again, because we're supposed to preach verse by verse. Yeah. And I only stop at the law, then everyone walks away without the hope that's intended by expository preaching. Yeah. Which is to make sure we're pointing to Jesus. Yeah. So that's that's my simple definition of the Christ hermeneutic is that is that every 
every passage, every page is pointing to Jesus. Yeah. It's not teaching about Jesus, but it's pointing to Jesus. Yeah. And that if you're preaching verse by verse, and there are verses that don't say anything about Jesus, I think the proper thing that a preacher should do who follows the Christ hermeneutic is to make sure we point to Jesus and give people the hope for the fact that the Bible says that if you um, commit certain sins, yeah. you're to be stoned, mm-hmm. right? If we just end at that, yeah, <laughs> we've given people no hope. Exactly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we have to then go to John 8 and say, look, that's exactly what the Jewish leaders are trying to do. Mm-hmm. Hey, Jesus, adultery is to be stoned. Mm-hmm. What do you say? Yeah. So that's the Christ of is taking that passage from the Old Testament, making sure we're pointing to Jesus, and then giving the listeners the fulfillment of of that passage by presenting Christ, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so I found this verse in Luke chapter 24 when Jesus is encountering the men on the road to Emmaus. And this oh, is yeah. what he says in yeah. um, Luke chapter 24, verses 25 through 26. He's, he said to them, How foolish and slow you are to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter to his glory? And then it says in verse 27, Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, the whole Bible essentially is all about Jesus. Right. right. Yes. It points to him. It may not directly, like, reference his name. Right. But... It always points to him in some aspects. Right. You even see like that hinted, like an example that I can think of is in Second Kings when Elijah is performing miracles. Mm-hmm. Like, even though that's not Jesus himself, you see that that points to Jesus. Right. It, right. Al- it always points to him. Um, and then sometimes you may see in the Bible where like... You know, God takes physical form like in Genesis. Right. Um, those are called what's called a Christophany. Right. And so the whole Bible is all about Jesus. I think of this uh, Absolutely. video that J.D. Greer did back a while ago. I forget where um, the message was taking place, but he's just point like talking about every single book. And like Jesus shows up in this book in this way. I don't know if you've seen ever seen that video. No, I haven't. Yeah, you need to watch it. It's, it's really good. I need to find what the name of that video is. And if I find it, I'll put it in the show notes for you all. But it was so good because he essentially, like, Jesus did this in the book of Esther. Jesus was this in the book of Job. Things like that. Right. And so I really enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. That. I've seen different different um, presentations like that. Mm-hmm. But I haven't seen the one from J.D. Greer. Yeah. And so um, thanks for sharing about the Chrysler hermeneutics. Yeah. So next thing I want to talk about is this... Greek word, exegesis. And so, according to the Logos Bible software blog, exegesis is the process of careful analytical study of the Bible to produce useful interpretations of those uh, passages. So, it comes from this Greek term, exegiomai, which means to explain or to narrate or to, again, show the way. And so, this exegesis... Why is that the preferred method in doing expository preaching? Um, well, because 
right? God spoke to human beings in language. You know? Yeah. There's no, like, he spoke to us in human language. Mm-hmm. Like the, Moses wrote in hum, in a human language. So, so understanding the language is important. Understanding mm-hmm. how important languages are, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, I think it's important to, like I said, even when you go back to the simplest methods of studying the Bible, mm-hmm. like, you have to see what it says, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I think so many like go past that and give an interpretation of what they think it means mm-hmm. before they see what it says. Yeah. You know, um, I often, you know, in smaller settings, I often um, have led small groups, Bible studies. And I always ask somebody to read a passage. Then I'll say to them, what does it say? The best answer for that is to just say back what it said. Yeah. But most people literally tell me back what it means mm. in their mind. And so right there, they're already circumventing what what a passage says, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's so important, I think, to, to learn what it's saying, what it mm-hmm. says. And so that's why I think they're talking about... Um, having um, more defined understanding of words, more yeah. defined understanding of how words were used in that context, in that culture, um, how more defined um, understanding of phrases and how they were used. Because there's like a, a lot of idioms that we use in the English language, right? That if somebody heard us say, man, um, I can't remember right now, but so, someone said, oh, for instance, like if someone in the future read... Me and you kicked it. <laughs> right? Yeah. If if they're not using that idiom in 2,000 years, if the Lord tarries, right? If they're not using that idiom in 2,000 years, they're they're trying to find out what you and I meant when when I said, yeah, on that, on whatever today's date is, I kicked it with Joey. Yeah, they, they could think of like, you're kicking me, like actually kicking me. <laughs> right, right. But that's not what it means. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's why exegesis is so important because you're not only understanding words, you're understanding way words and phrases were used Yeah. by the people in that time. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. That I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot. But if we love God's word, wouldn't mm-hmm. it be a worthy pursuit? Yeah. You know, exactly. I see what you're saying. So you're essentially saying like you want to show them what it says, not just merely tell them what it says. Right. But show them um, Austin Duncan. He is the host of a podcast that both Bert and I enjoy. It's called the MacArthur Center podcast. And he actually talks about that very concept in his podcast. Like you want to show as as preachers, but um, they need to show you what the text says. Right. That way. You can be able to do what it says. Right, right, right. And and not do what it doesn't say. Exactly. Right? So because that's what Satan was doing when he was tempting Jesus. Yeah. He was trying to get Jesus to misapply yeah. the scriptures to himself, right? Exactly. So so I, that that's why I'm so concerned, you know, mm-hmm. about preachers that... Proof text. They'll, 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 they'll get a topic that they're inspired by. They they believe um, 
they've been given a revelation that needs um, to be shared with the church. And then they'll take a bunch of verses to prove this revelation that they have. Mm -hmm. And yet those verses are all used out of context. Yeah. You know, and so that concerns me because that kind of preaching runs rampant. Yeah. Especially a place like Kansas City where, um, you know, it's known as one of the the charismatic capitals of the United States, mm-hmm. other than like Pensacola, Florida, <laughs> you know, or like Azusa, California, right? Um, it just concerns me because that's, you know, that comes from number one, like um, feeling like their spiritual gifting supersedes what the actual word has been given to us, breathed out by God, right? Yeah. So um, that concerns me. Mm-hmm. And um, because it, it the, the first, the first gift that God gave us is himself. Yeah. And if this book represents his breath to us mm-hmm. and what he has already said, mm-hmm. Then this book should supersede any kind of interpretive spiritual gift that anyone has. Yeah. Or that they say they have a prophetic gift, or they say they have the gift of teaching, or they say they have the gift of this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those gifts, I believe, should submit to this book. Yeah. In its proper meaning and its proper understanding. Yeah, amen. Which, you know, this is a great transition because I was getting ready to define another term that is used. It's called eisegesis. Right. And so according to gotquestions.org, eisegesis is the interpretation of a passage based on a subjective, non-analytical reading. The word eisegesis literally means to lead into, which means the interpreter injects his own ideas into the text, making it mean whatever he wants and so like you mentioned dad is dangerous it can be dangerous yeah and so like you mentioned earlier about topical messages like why we have to be careful when we preach topical uh, messages because so like someone can take a biblical passage and use that to back up what he means yeah bro like here's the thing the reality is we could teach anything from the bible Mm. Someone can create a a, a, a a theology out of verses from the Bible that teach us to kill people when they sin. Hmm. Right? Hmm. And they would say it's biblical. Hmm. Or someone can take a theology that's based on verses from the Bible and say that men should be polygamists. <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean? So any like people can take verses out of the Bible and teach that we should refrain from all manner of foods, mm-hmm. right? That are restricted to the children of Israel in the Old Testament. Yeah. <laughs> right? In that time, thousands of years ago, right? Yeah. Because of the way God wanted them to set themselves apart from the other nations. Yeah. But any of them can can prove text and say these are the verses that back that up, mm-hmm. right? Um, so 
Eisegesis is really, really um, dangerous. Mm-hmm. I think it can be dangerous. I, I think, you know, there's a lot of wisdom in being able to interject meaning to Scripture if your meaning you're injecting into the Scripture is already scripturally informed. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there are wise older men, you know, I, I, that I could sit to under and listen and they're talking about any manner of whatever, um, but when they use biblical passages, and they'll you know um, they'll speak into it from an understanding that they have, which was already biblically informed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But people who just bring meanings into a text mm-hmm. to back up their own topic or back up their own philosophy or theology or, or doctrine that they're trying to teach. Yeah, it's very dangerous because you're not you're not allowing God to speak for himself. Yeah. You're actually filtering it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, amen. So like false religions come out of interpreting the Bible in this way. Like right. um, you know, there's certain, you know, cults that have formed because they tend to take a burst in the Bible out of context, out of what God intended it to mean. Right. And so if you're listening to this, like it's so important for you to be very careful of how you interpret the scripture, but especially how someone is preaching to you. Right. Just being cautious of what they teach on. Yeah. And so that's why Jesus is like not the preferred method of biblical interpretation in expository preaching because right. again, it's important to look at the whole entire context in its original meaning. Yeah. Because yeah, cuz someone can take you verse by verse through 2 Timothy. Mm-hmm. But if they're just putting their own interpretation into it, you know, then they're actually not teaching you 2 Timothy. Yeah. They're teaching you their version and understanding of Second Timothy, right? Yeah. So, so ver- going verse by verse isn't necessarily like the the essential um, the essential characteristic of expository preaching, right? It's not necessarily the essential characteristic, but it involves going verse by verse, right? Yeah. But it has to be verse by verse. With its intended meaning. Exactly. Right. Amen. And so I just have a few more questions to ask you, Bert. Thank you for sharing all that. Yeah. Um, It's so encouraging to hear that, like, when you go through the Bible, try to understand it in its entirety. Like, it helps you understand, as a follower of Christ, just the importance of what God has to say. And so, why should congregants or those who attend church um, care about being under expository preaching. We'll be back after a brief break. Hey, what's up, everyone? We really appreciate you listening to episodes here on Tethered. If you've been impacted in any way by these episodes, please subscribe to the podcast to keep up to date on when episodes drop. Also, if you enjoy this podcast, will you please consider rating this podcast in your favorite podcasting app? Please leave us a comment. Finally, please share this podcast with your friends and family on social media or however you share things. 
we would really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Tethered. Now back to the episode. Well, um, again, Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen, right? Because this book we hold in our hands, mm-hmm. um, in its original languages, right, was breathed out by God to the to the authors that wrote it. I think it's sixty six books, forty three authors, right? Something like that. Um, breathed out by God. That's the the literal Greek word is theo uh, theonustos, which means God. Neustos, neustos is the same word that pneuma comes from in the Greek, which is the same word as spirit or breath, mm-hmm. right? So theos, neustos, is the word breathed out. Um, and so if God has breathed these words out through the prophets, the apostles, the kings, the priests, the, 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 um, the disciples, if God has breathed these words out, um, we should labor to understand what it means. Yeah. And so therefore we should be under, we should submit ourselves under, or we should desire at least to be under um, submission to teachers that are teaching what the book says, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and what the book, um, what the author meant, what the people understood at the time. Imagine, um, like, you know, someone saying, hey, I have an assignment to read um, um, J.K. Rowling, right? The, mm-hmm. uh, um, is that um, Harry Potter, right? Yeah, she wrote Harry Potter. Right. Imagine, imagine someone saying, like, hey, I have an assignment, and the only assignment I have this semester is to read through the Harry Potter volumes, right? Mm-hmm. And... This person, instead of reading her writings, went and studied a bunch of cliff notes. Do you guys know what cliff notes are? Yeah. It's like short versions of books, right? Yeah. And you don't get everything that's in the books. That's no, that's no honor to understanding what she wrote, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, going to, I think, submitting under teaching that falls short of presenting the whole book um, is kind of like going to a church that has only cliff notes. Oh. And wow. Right. And you're and you're getting a whole a bunch of holes mm-hmm. everywhere to your understanding of what the original intent of the book was. Yeah. Um and so if you believe, see, people won't do that unless they believe it. Mm-hmm. If you believe that this book was breathed out by God, wouldn't you want to understand this book? Not parts of it. Yeah. Not, not you know, and I'm not saying everyone gets through it in their lifetime, you know. I mean, geez, John MacArthur took 20 years to preach through Luke. <laughs> 20 years through Luke. You know what I mean? Imagine that. <laughs> so I'm not saying that you're going to be able to get through the expository preaching of the whole Bible by putting yourself under someone. But what I'm saying is if you really did love this book, you'd want to understand it, you know? Yeah. So, um, and so in, in its original intent, original meaning, right, by the authors as God breathed it out to them. So 
I, I think it's important. I think it really is important. Um, I think there are seasons, you know, like the last um, um, 25 years of my life, uh, I would say almost 20 of them were, were under uh, the leadership of pastors, preachers, and I was on staff too, um, of churches where expository preaching was the method, you know? Yeah. And exegesis was the preferred way of interpreting, right? Yeah. Um, and so I'm aware that sometimes because of your circumstances, you're not able to do that, mm-hmm. right? But I'm thankful to God that I can still listen to messages and um, follow God <laughs> when I know when I know that messages probably aren't necessarily exactly what He meant, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but that's after years and years and years of being under that kind of teaching. And then I think the the importance of also yourself. You know, committing yourself to reading the scriptures, studying it yourself, and understanding it according to original intent, according to its original meanings, according to the way that the culture back then understood it. Mm-hmm. That's those things are possible. Yeah, you don't have to have a seminary degree to do those things. Amen. Yeah. Um, so, so even if you're not able to go to a church that um, uses expository preaching as the primary method and exegesis as the primary way of understanding. Um, you can still pursue that in in your personal devotion to the Lord. You kind of answered my next question, actually, Bernie. <laughs> so, because I was getting ready to ask you, is it helpful to one's personal Bible study if they see their pastor teach in an expository way? And you've pretty much hit it right there. And that should bring some comfort to you listening, like... Remember what Bert just said. You don't have to have a seminary degree to understand the Bible. Right. Right. And and the thing is, you know, that's where the healthy balance comes in of, um, you know, Paul, Paul writes a few things. So, so here let me show you a little bit of a progression of Paul's thought in 2 Timothy, right? And we all know 2 Timothy is a pastoral letter. Yeah. It's to his young disciple that he mentored, Timothy, who was at that time the pastor in Ephesus, mm-hmm. right? And Paul was writing Timothy sort of his um, last words, you know, before, um, you know, Paul, Paul thought his life was being poured out at the time, you know, as a drink offering to the Lord um, and to the people. Um, but Paul does, there's a little bit of a progression. If you read that letter all the way through, um, 2 Timothy 2, 16 says um, to study, or 15, to study yourself, to show yourself approved unto God as a, as a workman, um, rightly dividing the word of truth, right? Mm-hmm. So like there's an opportunity for, uh, for Timothy uh, Paul's remember, reminding him to be diligent in his understanding of the scriptures, so that he's rightly dividing it. Mm-hmm. That's that it's it. There's a way to wrongly divide it. There's yeah. a way to wrongly understand it. Mm-hmm. Then he, then he, and in the next chapter, he says, "All scriptures inspired by God." Right. Mm-hmm. So what is he studying? All scripture, right? Mm-hmm. So what is he studying to be approved of? So he's studying all scripture. Why? So he could teach, reprove, correct, and train. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Why? So that the the people of God can be rightly um, fully furnished is mm-hmm. the actual language mm-hmm. in the Greek. Fully furnished, like a house that has furniture all over in it. That's yeah, useful, that's right? a good example. That's a good um, um, for every good work. Then, then he and then he says in chapter four of Second Timothy, right on the next verses, to preach the word mm-hmm. in and out of season. Yeah, right. To be ready to preach the word in and out of season. So, so the progression is um, study, be diligent, um, study what the scriptures, all of it, what all of it, mm-hmm. right? So that you could. Fill the congregation to fill the people with the knowledge of the glory of God mm. in the face of Jesus. Yeah. So that they can know the difference between someone who's tickling their ears and someone who's actually preaching the word, which is what he talks about. Because why? Everyone's going to want to go listen to preachers that tell them they're living their best life now. Yeah. <laughs> and stuff like that. Everyone's going to want to go listen to preachers that tell them, you can have it all. You, you, you know, God wants you to be rich. God wants you to be healthy. God wants you to be, um, um, you know, live in mansions and have these nice cars, which is not true. Jesus didn't come to make us rich in this world. Yeah. Right? So, like, those are, like, in, misinterpretations of passages from the Old Testament about Prosperity. Yes, God prospered his people. But what was the context? What was the what was going on back then when Yeah. So like for us to think that he's gonna prosper us the way he prospered Jacob, you know, when he was working for his father in law, um, is is a misunderstanding of the whole counsel of God. Yeah. And um I'm sorry, I'm losing track a little bit about your question. <laughs> no, it's all good. I appreciate you sharing that because, like, it's so easy for us to insert ourselves into the Bible, too. Right. Which is why it's so important to preach in an expository way. Right. Because, to be honest, like, I'm not David in my, you know, issues in life are not Goliath. Right. Like, right. that is a well-known passage that tends to be misinterpreted where that passage is actually talking about... You know, God being defied. Right, right. And, and so David steps up and, you know, honors God right. by protecting um, Israel from, you know, essentially having God is honored. Right. And, and here's, here's, again, how the Christ hermeneutic comes into play. Mm-hmm. So that's David slayed Goliath and Jesus is the greater David. <clears throat> yeah. And he slayed the greater Goliath, mm-hmm. right? So um, I'm not David. You're yeah. not David. I'm not Jesus. You're not Jesus. No, we're just scared of Israelites, right? And, and <laughs> right. And there's there's another thing people do too is they 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 take Jesus and apply everything Jesus did to themselves, you know, mm-hmm. because he's not first their um, atonement. Yeah, he's their example first. Mm-hmm. Of, and so there's a lot of people that try to follow Jesus' example, mm-hmm. but have not yet received his atonement. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. Because that stems from not applying a Christ-centered hermeneutic. Yeah. And not preaching the gospel in the pulpit mm-hmm. every time someone steps up. Yeah. So you start, you start following Jesus as your example... First, before you submitted, repented of your sins, 
and and cried out for salvation. Yeah. There's there's a, again, there's a lot of people I know who start speaking blessing over their kids as if their kids are kingdom citizens and they haven't even I'm not saying not speak blessings over your kids. What I'm saying is like Man, I can't wait till the kid understands and receives the gospel, you know? Yeah. But you're speaking to him like he's not a little, um, what, what I, a lot of, a little reprobate, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but we're all born reprobates. We're all born hellions. Yeah. We're all born on a fast track to hell, you know? Hmm. Jesus, you know, because of the fall, not because of anything you necessarily did when you were born. I mean, but at the same time, when you're born, newborn baby, man, all you want is things for yourself. That's why you cry all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, something that I would say, like, it's a big problem in our evangelical environment in this culture is like we tend to just see jesus as like a secondary priority and not understanding it in a not not understanding him in a way where it's like no he is the center right like the bible shows us that he is the center of it all and understanding the bible and what it means helps the believer in essence like know what it means to live a life that is one glorifying to God and two being able to enjoy God. Right. And that's what expository preaching should do. Right. Like one one of the things that I was reminded of was um there's a passage in Psalm the Psalms. I I can't remember there's a passage in the Psalms exactly I should know this off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. But I think it's Psalm one hundred where where David writes, God said to my God, mm. sit here until I make a you know the world a footstool for your feet, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But God calls Jesus God. Mm. So the Father calls the Son God, and if the Father worships the Son, I'm not saying like there's there's mutual. Um, Mutual affection, mutual love, mutual adoration within the Trinity, right? Mm-hmm. So, if, so if God speaks to His Son in those manners, man, it's it's in, it's important for us to not make Jesus a secondary part of our preaching. Yeah, you know, mm. because if God calls the Son God, mm-hmm. ooh, then we must highlight his, Him as well. You know? Yeah, exactly. That's that's correct. And so, what would you say to a new believer who may not know what expository preaching is about and why it's so important to hear the Bible verse by verse? So, like, let's say if someone just came to faith today, like, why is expository preaching so important and that they grasp that, like, right away? Um... See that's interesting. Like, uh, so there's there's two contexts, right? That person might have become a new believer that had been going to church for a while, hmm. or they could be a new believer that has never been to church. That was me. I was the right. Mm-hmm. So the question is, um, number one, who led you to Christ? Which is important because discipling is important, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but expository preaching again. So so. 
So getting yourself under a good discipler, I think, is important. Mm-hmm. Wherever that person was that led you to the Lord, you know, um, I think. But th- I think. But your question is, why is expository preaching important? So it's like um, you can either eat, right? You can eat an apple, or you can eat um, applesauce with a bunch of preservatives. And processed um, additives, <laughs> right? One of them is healthier for you, mm-hmm. right? So you could either you could either eat a steak. We were talking about steaks earlier. Yeah, you could either eat a steak or impossible meat. One of them is actually food, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and again, people are going to say, "Well, that's not a great." Um, Analysis, you know, you get what I mean. You can either steak, eat steak, or eat bologna. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a better. That's a better comparison. Yeah, exactly. Because because sometimes impossible meat is made out of you know soybeans and tofu and all that. So that's actually good for you. But steak or bologna? Yeah. The question is, do you want to grow? Hmm. You know, you're gonna you want to grow. You know, first of all. From the pure milk of the word, right? Mm-hmm. Which is the gospel. Yeah. Right? And then you're going to grow up in salvation mm. as you understand um, and put away put away your sin. You're going to grow into salvation when you understand that your living stone being built up into the spiritual house by the Lord, mm-hmm. uh, of the spiritual house of which its cornerstone is Jesus. Yeah. Right? And um, if you want to grow, you can grow or you could be malnourished. Mm-hmm. You know, now and I'm not saying malnourished means you're not a kid, you're not a child. You know, I was malnourished for a lot of years. I walk, I knew the Lord for about four years before I just discovered a expository preaching. You know, mm-hmm. and so here's the other thing: it's like hold tight because the Spirit is doing His work. Amen. You know? Yeah, you don't have to force yourself to get out of your current context. You know, God is always working. I love one of the things that John Piper says. You know. God is always doing 10,000 things for you and of which you only notice three or four hmm. at any given moment. You know? Yeah. So I would say it's important because you can either be malnourished for a little bit. doesn't mean you're not a child. doesn't mean you're not a babe. It just means you're malnourished. Or you can grow with all the regular challenges that come with growing. Yeah. And so, yeah, I like how you quoted 1 Peter 2, uh, <laughs> verses 2 to 3. This is what it says. Like newborn infants desire the pure milk of the word so that you may grow up into your salvation if you have tasted that the Lord is good. Right. Like it's like a baby. Like we can't, like babies can't eat meat. Now, they eventually should be right. fed meat because, like, me as an adult, I can't survive just solely on milk. One, I'm lactose intolerant, yes. so right. I'm be running to the bathroom a lot. Right. But I need to be eating solid food. And so, yeah, you want to be under someone that disciples you to love the word, right. to get a lot out of the word. Right. Because you do need that pure milk to help you get established. But then once you're... Establish. You continue to feed yourself more deeply. And so it is important for you to be under someone that will show you, not tell you. Right. Show you, not tell you. And like um, before, before we 
going to that part. The beautiful thing is this, right? Just because you're not ready for me doesn't mean you're not a Christian. Yeah, you know, I mean, um, Paul, Paul, was it Paul or the writer of Hebrews? I can't remember. I think it might have been Hebrews. Yeah, it says like, uh, like I long to give you meat, right? Mm-hmm. But you weren't ready, mm-hmm. you know. So, but that doesn't mean you're not a believer. But here's the thing is, is like the pure milk of the word, uh, long for the pure milk of the word. Um, the longing is the important part. The, the putting away of your sin and the longing for the pure milk is the important part in your original um, pursuit of the Lord, right? Um, and then eventually you'll, you'll be able to understand more um, complicated issues of, in the Bible, right? We're, we're currently teaching our kids at our church the 7 through 11-year-old range, right? Um, attributes of God, you know, mm-hmm. and I love it because their understanding of it is really simple. You know, I was I was in Sunday school on Sunday, and we were talking about sovereignty, you know, mm-hmm. and and then we created a game that they played, and we told them the new rules, you know, and in the middle of the game we switched the rules, and he said, "Why are you why are you switching the rules?" You know, and Mr. Peter, he was the one leading the class. He goes. Because I'm sovereign over this game. <laughs> and when I tell you guys the rules have changed, then the rules have changed. They're like, but what happened to the other rules? They're still there, but we're, we're playing a new set of rules. Mm-hmm. But, I'm, but I'm the sovereign, right? And they go, yeah. And then he's like, so what does that mean again? You, you created the game. It's your rules. Yeah. You know? and, and I think it's important to understand the, the more... Um, in-depth things about God, but that comes after a season of, of, yeah. of milk. You know? Yeah, amen. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that. And so here's my last question to you. I mean, obviously the name of this podcast is called Tethered, meaning like how can one stay connected to Jesus day by day? And so my question to you, Bert, is how can one stay tethered to Jesus as a result of expository preaching? Oh, um, well... As a result of expository preaching. So, like, here's the thing, right? You can go to a church where the preacher preaches like this. Mm-hmm. But means nothing if you don't pay attention. Hmm. <laughs> it means nothing if you're on your phone. Mm-hmm. It means nothing if your text is important, more important. It, I mean, it doesn't give you the effect that you're intending just by attending a church that where the preacher preaches expository expositionally um, so it it can help you in being uh, tethered to Jesus first by 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 taking in the message by listening by prayerfully listening by prayerfully receiving by prayerfully um, applying um, by prayerfully letting your heart um, be awakened by the beauty of the Lord while the while the word is being preached, mm-hmm. and then, um, like I said, prayerfully applying that into your life. You know, um, at the same time, um, you know, a, a, 
being tethered, as as your podcast is, is titled, is so important because um, the thing about the thing about tethered, where you, where you get it from, the illustration of the tether ball, right? No, it's actually a mobile hotspot. Okay, right. Um, but it's also if if y'all understand playing games, I don't know if people play games outside anymore, but there's an old game called tether ball. Right where there's a pole that's cemented into an old tire, right, and there's a rope that's tied to the top of the pole, and the end of it there's a ball, a tether ball that looks much like a soccer ball, right? Back in the day, or volleyball. Right, it's super harder than those, and if it hit you in your face, man. Yeah, those things hurt. I remember playing right. those as so, a kid. So that ball is tethered to the pole, right? There's a ball at the end of a string or a rope. That's tethered to a pole, right? And think about being tethered to that pole is that 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 ball could have activity, which is kids punching it around a pole to see who gets it to go their direction, or not, no activity. Mm-hmm. Where school is out, there's no one on the playground, but that ball is always tethered to the pole, no matter mm-hmm. what, no matter if there's activity or not. And I think um, expository preaching helps you in that if this is the way that the word of God is being shown to me by the man who's gifted by God and called by God to, to, to present the scriptures to me, then maybe I should pursue the scriptures the same way in my personal time of being in the word. Hmm. You know what I mean? So like take the time out to understand context. Take the time out to understand difficult words. Take the time out even to look look up Bible passages in different versions, you know. Mm-hmm. But if you put in the work, like 2 Timothy 2 says, to be diligent, to show yourself approved unto God. Like mm-hmm. God's approval, God's glory, God's worship, God's adoration mm-hmm. is, is why we get into the Bible. Right? Yeah. And... Um, if you're not just casually reading the Bible yeah. and actually putting yourself in it. Um, I remember one of our uh, preaching professors at Master Seminary who said, you know what diligence means? When your butt hurts, keep it in the seat. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> like I was just saying, like one, yeah. <laughs> one of the ways to be diligent is when you want to get up after an hour just because you're tired of it. Yeah. Stay another hour. Hmm. You know, yeah, um, diligence, right? Like Kobe Bryant. I'm, I'm a Lakers fan too, and so the thing about Kobe Bryant is, he said when when he came into the league, he was a little kid, so he couldn't go out with all the grownups. Mm-hmm. So what did he do? He went to the gym, and he'd shoot the ball a thousand times. Mm-hmm. You know, so that when he became the player that everyone else knew as an all star, and, and and like the best in the world at the time. Mm-hmm. Um. The, the guys that would come into town to play against the Lakers would say to themselves, I'm going to go super early so I could beat Kobe onto the court. And this is like five hours before the game, you know, or early in the morning before the game. And when they'd get there at 530, Kobe had already been there since four. Oh, wow. That's diligence, mm-hmm. right? Make, like prioritizing something. Um, if we prioritize... By putting ourselves under teaching where where people are exegeting the text, 
where they're expositing and showing us what it says verse by verse, then it should be um, upon us to exercise the same diligence mm-hmm. in our personal time in the Bible. Yeah. So, hey, man, thank you for sharing. And, you know, as we close here, you know, I just wanted to, you know, share some final thoughts with you guys. So everything that Bert said is just so good. Um, if you have any questions about, like, how to study the Bible, I'm going to include in my show notes a, a link to an article that I've actually talked about in an episode um, how to Have a Quiet Time by Tom Hutzina, which is an author for crew that can, you know, show you how to have that, you know, verse by verse explanation of the Bible done in a way where it's easy. Um, it talks about, you know, observation, interpretation and application. So I'll include that article in my notes to kind of help you understand to learn the Bible for yourself so you can stay tethered to Jesus day by day. And so, Bert, do you have any other final thoughts before we close? Yeah. One more thing that um, I was reminded of just now about being tethered, right? And I think this is so beautiful because we, we don't have to let the responsibility fall on us if we understand these three things. Um, there's a passage at the end of John 11 where Jesus says to the Father before he raises Lazarus from the dead. Mm-hmm. He, he literally says, Father, I know you always hear me. But it's for the sake of these, and, and it's not there in the passage, but it's for the sake of these that I pray this, right? So, mm-hmm. so Jesus is tethered to the Father. Mm-hmm. I know you always hear me, mm-hmm. Right? Always. That means while he's walking, while he's while he's doing something, while he's turning water into wine, while he's um, eating with his disciples, the Father always hears him. Mm-hmm. And I believe that number one, that's for our sake, mm-hmm. not so that we could be the kind of person that's always communicating with the Father. Mm-hmm. But we got to understand that that access is there for us too. Hmm. Right, the access where Jesus says, "Come boldly into the throne room," through through Hebrews, right through the book of Hebrews. Um, here's here's a second thing I want to point out that the Holy Spirit is praying for us when we don't know how to pray. Hmm. That's true according to Romans eight twenty six. Mm-hmm. So when you're struggling in prayer, when you're when you're crying out to the Lord, we don't even have the words, and your eyes are bawling out because you don't have the words. The Holy Spirit is praying for you. Amen. The second thing is Hebrews 7, 25 says, um, and this is speaking of Jesus. Consequently, he lives forever to make intercession on behalf of those who draw near to God through him. And it's talking about Jesus praying for us, Mm -hmm. right? When we do know how to pray, when we're drawing near, when we're walking well, when we're actually going after it, right? So the Father always hears us. The Spirit is praying for us at all times when we don't know how to pray. And Jesus is praying for us at all times when we do know how to pray. Yeah. My point is true abiding is Trinitarian. Mm -hmm. It involves the whole Godhead. The whole Godhead is connected to you. Mm. You're you're not this thing outside of of, of Christ that's trying to get in. When you belong to him, you're in him. 
you know. And so the abiding peace, when I say be diligent and pursue it, it's it's not talking about something that you're you're striving to be a part of. It's talking about who you are and living in that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you are connected to the Father because He always hears you. You are connected when you don't know how to pray. You are connected when you do know how to pray. Mm-hmm. It's Trinitarian. It's Christian. Mm-hmm. That's what it means to, to abide to me. That's what it means to be tethered to, to the Lord, you know, is that when there's activity, when there's no activity, mm-hmm. you're abiding in Christ. And and how do we how do we know that's happening? Is if the word of God is abiding in us. Mm-hmm. We're abiding in him. Mm-hmm. Because without him, we can do nothing. Exactly. So everything else in life, you know, our hanging out like this, our ministry to our family members, our ministry to our friends and coworkers, people in public, all of that is an overflow of this tethering that is empowered by the triune God who created the whole universe. Yeah. And it's for you. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And the way you can learn all this is by engaging with his word because right. the Bible was written for you. Um, and that's important for us to know because God has revealed himself through his word. Right. And the only way you can really learn from his word is to read each page of the scripture as originally intended. And that will help you stay tethered to God. But God is always moving no matter what so yeah thank you Bert, for coming on to this podcast um really appreciate you taking time again out of your day you know your busy schedule and i just want to give a special shout out to mr martin maharas for producing the episode introduction and for mr william akko who goes by akko in providing this lovely microphone that we have here today and so that's it for today bert suluvale guys here in the podcast today and thank you again for tuning into tethered see you soon enjoyed this episode please share it with your friends and family please also tap the subscribe button to receive notifications when new episodes are published you can also follow tethered on instagram by clicking on the link in the episode notes hope this episode has encouraged you built you up and blessed you to god be the glory see you next time god bless